It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers. Hook em up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Ian Rodby rolls on into the uh, four, uh, third hour of our five-hour Friday conversation. Bottom of this hour will be halfway through. We'll be at the turn. We'll talk some golf. Tiger Woods on live television yesterday with an amateur-like shank. Tiger, Tiger Woods, Joe. Eight iron into the tree. I mean, it was dead right off the hosel. See ya. Says his back seized up. He's having some back spasms on 18 at Riviera. So we'll talk uh, Tiger Woods, also the continued putting problems of one Scotty Scheffler, the world number one player. And uh, at the turn, bottom of the hour, Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. Also, uh, on the way to the timeout, Rod, you were talking about a question you had on Mike Zimmer, the new defensive coordinator of your uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I did. Actually, I'm looking for some sound now of, um, of Dave Campo, actually, discussing um, the Cowboys defense. Some interesting comments. I, I can read the comments, but I want to find the audio. So I'm going to find, try to find that audio for you guys. Okay. Uh, Dave, some really interesting stuff that he said about the transition from Dan Quinn to, to Zimmer. But that's, that's aside from my question. I just saw this because I saw it on my phone. Your phone was listening to you. I was literally just talking about Mike Zimmer and Dan Quinn, and then my phone, boom, it just populates this story of a quote from Dave Campbell talking about that. I'm like, oh, my phone is definitely listening to me. You should talk to your phone, people. It's listening to you. Trust me. Oh, it's fun. The, the algorithm knows. The algorithm knows. But it, it's just some uh, some comments about the, the what why he believes the transition actually is going to help the Cowboys. The question I have is simple. Is it an upgrade? Is Mike Zimmer an upgrade over Dan Quinn? Because I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if I'm sure. It's different. I, I broke down why it's different and how, and I'll continue to do that and break that down because I'm studying uh, Zimmer's defense, and I really like Dan Quinn's defense, and I knew a lot about it structurally, philosophically. This is my question for Cowboys fans. Hit us up on the Specs text line. Is it an upgrade? Hit us up on the text line. Is it an upgrade? I don't know. I'm asking, do you think it is? Uh, I think it can be. I think it's how I would answer, ask that. Because I think Dan Quinn has installed, you know, kind of the idea of what they want to be. But they were undisciplined last year, I thought. I mean, they're, they mean, they were one of the, the most penalized defenses as far as offsides, jumps on offsides and, um, you know, unforced penalties like that. Um, and then they just they didn't show up in big games. Now, is that personnel related? Was that scheme related? Yeah. That's your question. I just know what Mike Zimmer is going to be. And it might be with Dan Quinn for three years, this is the year with a very talented team with – you know, several all pros and, and two guys who finished in the top five for defensive player of the year, you know, and maybe insert some, some boot in the ass discipline that, that you know, be. that, that yeah. helps his defense uh, play bigger and better in big spots. Yeah, because I had a Cowboys fan ask me and I genuinely could not tell them. I was like, I don't know if it's an upgrade. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that uh, Zimmer's going to be worse. I don't, no, not at all. I think I like uh, Mike Zimmer. I just think it's going to be different. It's just, it's almost, you know, in a situation where I think it may be a preference thing. 
about the leadership style you're talking about, uh, the philosophy, the uh, the the construction of the defense, all those same things. I yeah, say it, it remains to be seen whether it's considered an upgrade or not. Because Dan Quinn had a, I mean, that was a top five defense in the league. I know that's I mean, the thing. You, 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 it produced. You led the NFL in takeaways in back-to-back years. You led the NFL in pressure rate. It had that Dan Quinn defense had certain things it would hang its hat on. You knew what the identity of that defense was going to be. And the identity was, we're going to take the football away, and we're going to pressure the hell out of your quarterback. The problem is they would often want to stop the, the – you know, there's a great uh, philosophy uh, in the NFL. I think Rex Ryan used to apply it all the time, or at least he would use this, uh, this old saying, we'll stop the run on our way to the quarterback. Yes. We'll stop the run on our way to the QB. Well, it sounds – that sounds really cool, right? It sounds like the right thing to say. It's like, yeah, we'll st- that means we prioritize pass rush. Right, we want to get them in pass rush situation. That's where we get our takeaways. That's where we get our splash plays. But in today's NFL, if you meet a team that decides, what the hell with it? We're not throwing. We're just going to run it down your damn throat. Then you can't stop the run on your way to the quarterback. And I think when you build and construct a defense, or even philosophically you have that type of attitude, which I think the Cowboys were built on with Dan Quinn, it gets you in trouble with teams who just want to pound the rock. Now, it's a modern defense, Dan Quinn has. So most modern defenses are built to const- and constructed to defend modern offenses, very progressive offenses, and very progressive offenses don't run the ball like that. Yes. They want to throw the ball. And that's right? what was their biggest bug of the last several years was, was rush defense yes. in big spots. And, and, again, I'll say this for Dan Quinn. I mean, you know, he's been in demand to be a head coach each of the last three offseasons. So because of his really, defense. Yeah, he's a really good coach. Yeah, he's a real good and coach. And what he did in year one to, to turn it from the worst defense the Cowboys have ever had into the – the defense it became is, is, is credit worthy without a doubt. Unbelievable. And he could have been a head coach sooner than this. So, and now he's in your own division, mm-hmm. unfortunately for Cowboys fans. And I think he's building a really good staff, including we'll talk about going behind the burn orange curtain. A, a guy who was going to be with the Longhorns is now going to Washington to work yes, with Dan Quinn. That is true. I'll tell you about that coming up. But um, as far as upgrade, I mean, it just, it just might be the year that a change of voice is a good thing. Um, but it, and I was, I'll say this mm-hmm. because the, um, the lasting memory of this Cowboys team will be that Packers game, which was horrible, right? Oh. I mean, the deep, the all, all phases. Dak Prescott was bad until they ran it, down it was your a throat. route, and then uh, they ran it down your throat, and you couldn't stop them. Um, but so, the, but the previous two Januarys, the defense was great. Yes, it was. I mean, if you go back and watch the 49ers' mm-hmm. losses in the divisional playoffs, you know, for back-to-back years, the defense was not the problem. I mean, they held a really good offense and gave the offense a chance to win the ball game. Yep. And they couldn't. And that's why, you know, whatever. The, I think the defense is still going to be really good next year. The question I have is, I mean, Dak in January. <laughs> Dak in January is the – and the offense in January is your question. Uh, unfortunately for Dan Quinn and the Cowboys, it became both this year, where it was offense and defense. And it was a wholesale collapse against a rising Packers team. But, you know, Dan Quinn's defense had given you a chance to advance each of the last two Januaries, and the, and the totally offense couldn't agree. take it. Um We'll see. Uh, we'll see. But Mike Zimmer's a really good coach. He good He's coach. shown to be a very malleable guy who will, who will use his, his personnel wisely. And we'll see. And they're going to be talented. I don't oh, think there's any doubt about they it. Built, they, yeah, they really did build that defense up. Well, let's I mean, also remember that – You don't that, have a lot of holes on the defense. The interior, interior D-line and maybe linebacker, those are your biggest holes right now. 100%. But we also can't forget that Demarcus Lawrence, the unquestioned leader of their defense – Went to Vegas before the Super Bowl and said they were tired and their legs were tired and they that's, were worn out at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's strength and conditioning. That's also the coaches, too. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's wild. And that's mindset. I mean, what are you, tired? This is the first round of the playoffs. The Packers weren't tired? Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. The Chiefs was on the Super Bowl. They had to go through a you know, first-round playoff game Yeah. Uh, in, the, in freezing cold. I mean, that, I, I, I still – You basically wanted the bye week or something? Like you wanted to do what you needed? 
I, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, that thing went viral, rightfully, because you, you got to have a better answer than that. I yeah, mean, yeah. we, you know, we go with the old, we picked a bad day to have a bad day. That's we fine. Just say, pick, we got beat. Just talk about the Packers. We're like, man, they beat us. We that's a damn, that's a good young team. They beat can't us. can't go there and say we are tired. You are tired. Le- tired legs, long season. Okay, so, come on. Uh, that's blaming 17 games? So maybe that's the point with Zimmer and discipline and just being kind of a hard ass. you, you got to have an edge. And, and one thing that I do agree with, with, I think it was Dan Orlovsky who said, you know, they didn't lose because they were tired. They, lose, they lost because they don't have a defensive identity. What is the identity of their defense? That's what they we actually do have an identity. It's just an identity that ma- didn't match up well with the identity of Green Bay, which is what they want to run the rock. They, they do have an identity. Their identity is they are built on distortion, deception. That's why they take away the football really well, and it's a modernized defense built on hybridism with, multi- with athletes who can play multiple positions. You can move around the chessboard. It, they do have an identity. The problem is that identity doesn't match up well with, when Green Bay wants to go Pound the football and go power. Yeah, power get tougher. Yeah. Hey, let's get to the uh, top stories, then we'll get back to these conversations. Your core thought uh, as a Cowboys fan is it an upgrade, Mike Zimmer from Dan Quinn? Uh, we will certainly see uh, coming back next season. But let's get to the other top stories. Top Gun Rentals and a lot of equipment bring you the top news, and we'll start in Kansas City. Update on the tragic mass shooting at the unfolded at the uh, end of the Chiefs Super Bowl celebration on Thursday. Authorities now believe the chaos began as a dispute between several people. Several of them were juveniles. Uh, Police Chief Stacy Graves said that 22 people that were injured in the in the uh, situation ranged between the ages of 8 and 47. Half of them uh, were under the age of 16, and of course, the mother of two was tragically killed. Three people have been detained. Two juveniles. No charges yet filed in that situation. Uh, opening day for the Texas Longhorn baseball team tonight. 50th season. At UFCU, Dishfalk Field begins tonight in 2020, 2024, hosting the San Diego Toreros. Head coach David Pearson, his horns, uh, entered the, his eighth season with a deep and talented squad that was picked to finish second in the Big 12 in the preseason vote. Uh, fans will be introduced to a new video board tonight in game one and through the weekend. The new Yeti Yard in left center field. And returning ace right-hander LeBaron Johnson Jr. will get the ball tonight in the first game. Uh, San Diego will uh, is a team that was picked to finish second in their own conference, the West Coast Conference. Should be a good matchup. 7 o'clock tonight, 2.30 tomorrow, 1 o'clock on Sunday. After their midweek off, Texas men hoops are back at it tomorrow. They'll roll to Houston to face Kelvin Sampson and third-ranked Cougars at high noon. Houston enters the game tied atop with Iowa State atop the Big 12 standings at 8-3. Texas is sitting at 5-6. and six. Texas women are at Moody Center tomorrow afternoon, 3 o'clock. Big Schaefer's Longhorns have reeled off five straight wins. They're ranked fifth in the country. They'll be a 3 o'clock tip with the Cyclones. Uh, in college basketball last night, how about the incredible scene in Iowa City, Iowa? That's where the Hawkeye star Caitlin Clark set the new women's basketball scoring record for Division I, an 106-89 win over Michigan. The 22-year-old phenom scored 49 points on the night, had 13 assists. She now has 3,569 points for her career. And finally, keep in mind, just a little heads up, if you're headed downtown this weekend or out and about on Sunday, be advised thousands of runners from across the country descending on the capital city for the annual Austin Marathon, Half Marathon, and 5K. Races begin at 7 a.m. Sunday morning along Congress Avenue. Uh, First road closures start today downtown. Horror Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right, in regards to our conversation about whether, you know, Mike Zimmer's an upgrade over Dan Quinn, uh, I got this from uh, Coach Dave Campo. He was on uh, the San Antonio Sports Star and he was asked about the Cowboys you know, losing to Green Bay in the playoffs and about the transition from Dan Quinn to Mike Zimmer on defense. Here's what he had to say. I'm still looking for the actual quote, so I, I'll try to find the quote for it, and I can send it to Ty so we can play it later. But here's the quote. 
from a culture standpoint, I'll just say one thing this way. I know Dan Quinn very well. I was not in the office, in the building. I'm here in Jacksonville, so I saw a bunch of the games. I saw that game. I'm going a little bit on some hearsay. But I think the one thing about Dan is he's a fine gentleman. And he sounds like Ty setting up the, I'm not going to objectify her, but <laughs> she doesn't have a great face. She has a great body. He said, but I think the one thing about Dan is he's a fine gentleman and he's smart and his scheme was okay. But he was a little bit too buddy-buddy, I think, with the players. And that's part of it. You can't have a lot of accountability if you don't stand a little bit above it, above the people that you're trying to get to be accountable. But more so than that, when they lost number 55, they lost only the real linebacker that they had on the ball club. And their two in, inside tackles, they were pass rushers. And so they were a small defense, and the teams that could run the ball on them were successful. And that's what happened in the ball game. They need to get bigger and more physical inside. So you got your little X's and O's there, uh, and we all agree with that. I mean, that, that Leighton Van Der Esch injury was huge. And as I've pointed out, uh, really most of the season, the Cowboys just can't stop power run. They just you can line up and you go power run against them, you can beat the Dallas Cowboys. And you can avoid having to deal with Michael Parsons. And you can avoid having to deal with all the strengths of the defense. They have, a really, they have an elite pass rush. Michael Parsons is an elite player. But as a pass rusher, he's an elite player. And you can avoid uh, the takeaways, right? They, they turn you over really well. Uh, they're one of the most opportunistic defenses. Well, you can limit all of those advantages for the Cowboys and turn Michael Parsons into a liability just by running the football right down their throat. So that's the biggest issue. But the thing that he points out here, and a shout out to my man Brock, because Brock pointed this out too as a Cowboys fan. He, we were listening to, I think it was Darren Woodson, actually talking about the transition from Zimmer to Quinn. And he also, and maybe it's a hearsay that uh, Dave Campbell was talking about, essentially implied that Dan Quinn may be too close to the players. Known as a players coach, but maybe he was too close to the players and here once again you have Dave Campo implying that he's a little too close to the players but I think one thing that this is a quote but I think that one thing that Dan is he's a fine gentleman and he's smart and his scheme was okay but he was a little too buddy buddy I think with the players and that's part of it Zimmer will not be that at all Zimmer is actually no. known he's actually has a reputation for never getting too buddy buddy with players so maybe they are kind of going the opposite of a Dan Quinn from the leadership perspective a guy is like no no I don't form those types of relationships with the players I don't need to worry about whether they like me or not and like my disposition and like and whether they think I'm a cool guy it doesn't matter to me execute yeah. execute and be accountable well, remember, so. we, we played the sound after uh, Dan Quinn took the Washington job from Joe Witt Jr., uh, who a lot of uh, you know, Cowboy fans had hoped maybe would be the defensive coordinator. He talked about, you know, he was the, the counter to Dan Quinn because Dan Quinn is the excitable guy jumping around, yeah. buddy, buddy. And Joe Witt was the guy that was always thinking. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah, execution. So that should work. But, yeah, Mike Zimmer. You know, he had, at his opening, his introductory press conference this week, he kind of had to dissolve the idea that he's a jerk. <laughs> like Basically. You know, like, <laughs> I'm not an a-hole, guys. I'm just about my business. I'm yeah. just a very business-minded guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a jerk. But, you know, I can be one, <laughs> you know, uh, when, when it's necessary. Yeah. And so, no, I think, I think that's good stuff from Dave Campo, who, uh, you know, never should have risen to head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, but was a good assistant coach. But he, I think, he's still got connections. Yeah, over I think, there. It was, I think yeah. it's a little of both, and I think, the, I think more personnel than than anything, uh, mm -hmm. because he's right. I mean, like uh, Leighton Vanderesh was their only legit linebacker on the team. 
Because yeah. um, he likes hybrids. He likes hybrids. And he likes sub packages. <laughs> and, and, and then when he gets hurt, well, you gotta you gotta have some 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 answers here. You gotta have some uh, some options. And obviously the 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 Mozzie Smith draft pick didn't pan out, and he didn't bring any impact to the interior defense. That's why you took him in the first round. It's why it wouldn't be crazy if they they came back and tried to get a Tavondre Sweat up there no. to, to go Real next wild. to him. Yeah. Because you have to get tougher there. I mean, you, you, it, it's, it doesn't matter if you have Demarcus Lawrence and, and Micah Parsons rushing the quarterback. If you can't get people into third and long and passing situations, mm-hmm. uh, good running teams, then you're going to have a problem. So they've got to fix the personnel, too, to go with what Mike Zimmer is going to bring because he can't fix that. No. I mean, and, yeah, I totally agree with you. And as I said, that, that was the case for the Cowboys all year, and the argument can be made. You know, Marvin Overshone got hurt, so you would have had, you know, another linebacker. At least you could have thrown at the issue. But those guys are still hybrids, and that goes back to the point that you don't have run-stuffing specialists. And you do need run-stuffing specialists. All your specialists are built around defending the pass. Hybrid athletes with speed, sub-packages, guys you can move around the chessboard. But sometimes you just need a, a good old-fashioned run-stopping D-tackle. Yeah, a thumper at linebacker. It's like, no, no, I can, I can stuff the run. I may, not be, I may be a liability in the pass game, but I can stuff the run. And that's what LV – that's why I think they may, he may take LV with him. Yeah, and I told you, I, said, I think he might take El- uh, Leighton Vanderish with him because he knows that is the one of the big vulnerabilities within his defense is that you can just run downhill on him. Well, it's one of the reasons, you know, to pivot to the Longhorns a little bit. They brought in the uh, the Alabama transfer, transfer exactly right. Kendrick Blackshire, yeah. who you know doesn't jump off the page, but he's a box linebacker, mm-hmm. and you know, Benda is. I mean, if yeah, David Benda, Kendrick Blackshire, if you're playing Michigan in week two. You better be able to stop the run. So I don't know. I don't know what Sharon Moore is yeah. going to be, but you you know what? It, it's going to be a heavy dose of power run game. Yep. Uh, There'll be a couple of teams in the SEC that'll decide. That's you right. know what? We're just going Georgia, run downhill on them. Georgia. Yeah. Uh, but then there's going to be teams that spread you out, and so you got to be versatile. I think that's why the Longhorns were looking for that uh, yep. that thumper, uh, Kendrick Blackshire. And yeah, the, the you need it. You got to have it in those big moments, uh, without a doubt. Uh, and if you don't have it, it impacts. I mean, we talked all one, all week about the injury to Dre Greenlaw in the Super Bowl for the Niners. I mean, you mm-hmm. lose a key cog like that. Oh man, it's huge. Be, you know, the NFL is going to expose you. Uh, they're going to you know, attack that spot without a doubt. All right, good stuff uh, uh, with the uh, the Mike Zimmer conversation. We'll take your thoughts, Cowboys, into the off season now. What they need in the draft has been talked about. The Texans in the draft and uh, those conversations. Speaking of the Longhorns, right? I mentioned this earlier uh, for folks, but uh, you're a big fan of Bill Connolly oh, yeah. and his uh, SP plus rankings, which yes, is. Sir. You know, his, uh, he, he, you know, the SP plus is a measure Connolly derived that takes into account the returning production, mm-hmm. recent recruiting, and recent team history to assign numerical, numerical values to teams that can be used as a predictive measure. Okay? It's like a cumulative yes. yeah, stat and, and predictive it's been, model. And he's been pretty accurate. He's been pretty accurate with, what, when, with his SP plus rating at ESPN, Bill Connolly. So he's out with his first SP plus rankings of, the, of next season. And he has the Georgia Bulldogs with a net score of 34 and a half. As the best team in the country. That makes sense. And I have no argument with that. Yep. I mean, you're coming back with Carson Beck. You're coming back and with, with all the deep recruiting classes that they've had over the years. Uh, no one's surprised by that. Um, of course, they couldn't beat Alabama in the SEC championship game last year, and that presented, prevented them from going for a three-peat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has Ohio State at number two uh, with all the, the, yeah. the additions. Oh. Well, um, and that coordinator, I mean, who's upgraded at coordinating like they have? Chip Kelly calling the plays offensively now. Yeah, Chip Kelly. It's huge. Now Pauling plays for his quarterback in college, Ryan Day. Ryan Day played for Chip Kelly at New Hampshire. Yep. And now – No Jim knows on defense got it, but uh, he, oh, now he's got a, another, what, all-star safety that he can Caleb Downs. use in those three safety packages? Freshman All-American, Ooh, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then on, on offense, you've got Quinshawn Judkins, the old Miss running back coming in there. Travion Henderson is still there. Oh, they're going to be uh, a, 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 a Abuga, the receiver's still back. I mean, 
they're they're loaded. Uh, the question could be quarterback, right? Is it is it uh, Will Howard or Devin Brown? You know what? They may decide to run the rock, so it may not matter who the quarterback yeah. is that much. Well, and, uh, Chip Kelly is a running coach. Yes, he is. He Chip loves Kelly it. runs the ball, and he hasn't had two running backs like this in a while. Yeah, since prices he was at Oregon. Right, and that I mean people think Chip Kelly and spread, but it's tempo, but it's running game. Yep. I mean they run the football, mm-hmm. and always have really uh, creative run game too. Well, and listen, concepts. why why is Ohio State forty and three? In the Big Ten, they've beaten everybody else, but they've lost three straight to Michigan. They lose the running game. They lose the power run game. They, they, they lose the line of scrimmage against Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. That's what Ryan Day's trying to fix. Chip yep. Kelly brought in to help alleviate that. Oregon Ducks are third, according to Bill Connolly in the SP Plus, at 29.3. Uh, they've got Dylan Gabriel or Dante Moore. One of those quarterbacks is going to be the starter, likely Dylan Gabriel, coming in yep. from Oklahoma to run that tempo offense, replace Bo Nix, and they got a ton of talent there. The guy I feel bad for is Dripping Springs Austin Novosad. He's still at Baylor. Or he's still at uh, at Oregon. Oregon. And Dylan I'm Gabriel's surprised he didn't now. transfer. Well, because Dylan Gabriel's only going to be there for one more year, right? Well, once the once, I, Dylan Gabriel, you could have stomached, but now Dante Moore, who's a young guy himself, was a five five star player That's coming true. in. Yeah. I don't wonder if you don't see Austin Novosad transfer. thinking about transferring after yeah. the spring. He need, that might not that might be a good idea. And I wonder where he'd go. He'd come to back to Texas, I imagine, somewhere in the state. Well, he was committed originally to Baylor. Oh, remember, Baylor's got Mr. Gary Patterson's there now at Baylor as that whatever assistant role. I'm telling you. Strategic if, consultant. If you are an administrator there, oh, it would be such an easy transition to go, sorry, Dave Rand, you're not getting it done. GP, you ready? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about that enough last week during the Super Bowl oh, lead-up. Yeah, Gary Patterson is back at Baylor. Yes, and he's, he is. Uh, uh, I, as we talked about I, 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 with Gary Patterson, why would he? Because Texas, you know, had reached out to Gary about coming back, and um, but you, you said it properly. I mean, Gary's comfort zone is the Big Twelve. He knows the coaches and the personnel in the Big Twelve. His biggest value to a to an oral program is is Big a, his Big Big Twelve knowledge. Yep. Uh, he doesn't know the SEC like he knows the Big Twelve, um, and so that's an advantage. And, and as you said, Dave Aranda on the hot seat. A lot of people were surprised he was brought back this year. Uh, things don't go well. Uh, Gary Patterson's sitting in the back seat there. That's easy. I think that's an easy trade. Honestly, I, I'm predicting I think it's going to happen. And I like Dave Aranda, but it's, pre- it's pretty obvious that Dave Aranda, the further he gets from the Matt Rule, you know, blueprint, the worse his teams get. Yes. It's just – like well, I said, I like Dave Aranda, but you cannot deny the evidence. And Gary Patterson coming in, talk about upgrade. You <laughs> would be getting one of the greatest college football coaches of all time and someone, as you just point out, intimately knows – Big 12 country. Yeah. Knows all about it. Absolutely. And, uh, and he, you know, he's got a house in, in Horseshoe Bay. He's got mm-hmm. a house in Fort Worth. So it's kind of right in between, you know. I know, I, know, I know they've had the animosity, you know, between, you know, Baylor and TCU and Gary Patterson. And I know there's obviously some angst there. But oh. I don't think it – obviously it doesn't bother him. He's there. So, I don't know. I, if I'm Dave Aranda, you, hey, you, got, you can't worry about that. You can't worry about your job. You're trying to improve the staff. So, it's a good move by him to bring him on. But it's a dangerous one. Yeah, could be your replacement sitting mm-hmm. yes, there. Will. But that, But the point of that was uh, Austin Novosad. You wonder if he will look That's to transfer. That's a good idea. The Baylor's and I – because in there, where's your um, – Jake Spavitol, Jake Spavitol, the offensive the, coordinator. Yeah, hey, that's actually not bad. I like not it. Not bad. Uh, so, and, of course, on the SP Plus, we were running through Texas 4th. Texas 4th at 28.7. I right like there, that. right there, in behind, and I do think, as we said, that that's going to be the top four for everybody yeah, when we get be. around to the start of the season. Yep. Because who's five? I mean, it's there's a fairly obvious Georgia, 
Mm-hmm. Ohio State, Oregon, Texas. Okay, those are the most clear. I mean, because Georgia and Texas come back returning quarterbacks, returning lines of scrimmage, yep. continuity all over the place, and portal additions. Uh, Oregon, same thing, but they, they you know they're replacing quarterback. Ohio State's replacing quarterback. But, but those are that, institutions that can do it. They can bring in a, yeah. a quarterback. And beyond that, who's five? I mean, on this, it's Michigan. But they lose a ton, uh, 18 guys going to the combine, plus their head coach, plus their defensive coordinator, oh, and other coaches on the staff, uh, and quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. So they got a ton to replace. Alabama. Oh, you're replacing the GOAT. Can so replace Nick said. Saban. Yeah, and you had, had an exodus from that uh, roster, too, of talent that decides well, to Well, remember, you hired uh, Kalen DeBoer from Washington. He brought Ryan Grubbs with him to be the offensive coordinator at Bama. Not so he, fast. But he immediately jumped to Seattle <laughs> to be the, the offensive coordinator of the Seahawks. Not so fast. Yeah. <laughs> um... No, I, I'm with Which, you. By the way, a lot of people are linking Washington with Ryan Grubbs to Michael Penix in the middle of the first round, potentially. Uh, that, you know what? If Seattle drafts him, I trust it because Seattle, they, that's one thing that John Snyder's done a great job of is drafting. Because they, they, they picked up Geno Smith's contract in Seattle as we talk football. So you got your bridge quarterback. You got your bridge. And Michael mentor. Penix. You can run that offense. Knows the offense or most of the – and comfortable with the, 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 the new offensive coordinator there. Uh, so we'll see. I like that. Uh, but, yeah, that, that'll be the question. Who's five? Who's five? Is it Ole Miss? It could be like six or seven different schools potentially. Because there's been so much unprecedented turnover in college football this year with powers, like traditional blue blood powers, and the national championship uh, team losing their coach, losing their coaching staff. I just, yeah, I mean, you said Washington too, right? I don't know if we've had this much turnover in a long time. So I'm with you. I think the top four, that's solidified after that. I like your Ole Miss case, honestly. For a team that that's at least bringing back, they they upgraded a lot of positions via the transfer portal. They're one of the top five transfer portal offseason uh, teams in terms of the acquisitions, and they bring back their quarterback. Yeah, uh, and their play caller. And you know, Lane Kiffin's been there a little bit now. Got mm-hmm. this thing established, and uh, I like the know, whole misting. I like uh, that one enough that they would, you know Quinshawn Judkins now running for Ohio State. There was a lot of thought that um, he was kind of encouraged to go ahead and go because he was kind of a me guy at Ole Miss, and they feel like we're, we're good. We'll, we'll addition by subtraction potentially, but that yeah. was a really productive player. He really was. At Ole Miss. We'll, all right, there we go. There's some football talk, Cowboys and the college football ranks. We come back, we're going to hit uh, At the Turn. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Oh, man, I like hearing that song every morning at the turn. It gets me going. A little Caddyshack, a little Kenny Loggins. Well, at the turn, we're halfway through our five-hour Friday conversation. Nine holes out, nine to go. If you're looking to get out and play a little, little golf this weekend, good luck with that. Keep it in the fairway. Uh, you know, keep it straight off the tee. That's all you got to do. I know it's a challenge, but you can do it. Uh, enjoy that. Maybe a lot of folks out here at the, uh, the Onion Creek Club this week playing some golf. The weather's been phenomenal. A little cooler this weekend, but still, it may be windy tomorrow. So uh, be advised of that if you're getting up and getting out. But Patrick Cantlay is your leader after the first round out at Riviera. Uh, the Genesis Invitational, only 70 players in the field and only 50 We'll advance into the weekend, Rod. So after today, 20 are going to get cut out and uh, won't be playing the weekend. You're done, son. You're done, son. Uh, Cantlay's in good shape. J- Jordan Spieth's at five under par. So he's two off the lead. Uh, and then we'll tell you about Scotty Scheffler coming up. He and Bo Hosser are both at three under par, right where they want to be. Uh, but Tiger Woods is the story, obviously. It's his tournament. Essentially, he hosts this tournament. He was sh- showed up yesterday for the first time, gosh, since 2023 in a competitive round. And... Uh, that's just the first competitive serious round since the Masters of 2023. Uh, and he was rusty. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and he was sitting right at even par when he went to 18, Rod. 
And um, can we hear this? This was his he was his second shot at 18. It was an eight iron, trying to hit a little cut into the green. And listen to how this sounded on uh, Golf Channel yesterday. Oh, hello. Guys? Yeah. Uh huh. That caught Hazel. Yep. That caught Hazel right away. Meaning wow. it went dead right off of his club mm. uh, Hazel into the tree. Man. Now, he was able to make bogey. He got down and got in the little ravine there right. and hit a great shot between a couple of trees and got it up on the green and then made a putt for bogey. So he finished at one over par. Wow. He's currently tied for 49th, Rod. So as of right now, he would make the cut of you know the top 50, but he's got some work to do today to um, assure that he plays into the weekend. And don't you know? TV channel, CBS, wants him to uh, make what? it to the weekend. Even if he's shanking. <laughs> we'll take a Tiger shanking and still get your ratings. Yeah, he did have five birdies yesterday. We said the trouble for Tiger was uh, the par fours, including that one. He was six over on the uh, the par fours yesterday. If he can get that straightened out, he can be in this because he, he did great. Had five birdies on the par threes and par fives. Uh, let's hear Tiger. And, uh, you know, the first rule of the shank is you have to own the shank. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you hit one, we all have done it if we play golf. Here is uh, – you just, you just get you out of timing, and the you know club all of a sudden you your your club face is is uh, not where you need it to be at the ball at the point of impact, and it just shanks. Here's here's Tiger owning what went on and explaining it a little bit. I'm not gonna say the word, but on 18. Oh, I definitely I shanked it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what happened there, and, and is that still a shock to the system for you when that happens? Well, my, my back was bad. I moved last couple holes, and I was blocking them, so uh, I came down and, and it didn't move, and I presented hustle first and uh, shanked it. Shanked it. Shank up Hydamus. <laughs> the, the guy in the, asking the question is trying to be nice. I don't want to use the word. Can't He's use like, the word. Hey, I shanked it. You can do it. Hey, even Tiger shanks him. It's good. It makes you feel good if you're a golfer, right? And you're watching Tiger shank one. No. Oh. Makes you feel the good. embarrassing part is when, you know, obviously. Abs- if you're, to the best of them. And the worst. Like, yeah. The embarrassing ones are when you do it on the, in the driving range and you're like. Hit somebody's house? You know, you hit it down the, down the range of the other golfers going, what oh, the hell? What? what? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's me. That's why I don't go golfing. I have those embarrassing moments like every time I swing. Well, that's funny. Right, you get the ball goes backwards, hits some other people. Well, you like got that? a bad shoulder too, right? So that would I probably make it hard shoulder. for you to swing yeah. a golf club. It's probably properly. not wise for me. Properly. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, the the story of, of uh, Scotty Scheffler continues to be a, a frustrating one because, uh, you know, stop me if you've heard this before with Scotty Scheffler. Tee to green yesterday, no one better. First in the field, tee to green. Okay. Like putting himself in position yeah. to score. Uh, so that's the best approach of anybody? Yeah, well, best, he's best off the tee, tee, best onto the greens. Yeah. First tee to green, 67th out of 70 putting. 67th out of 70. And this is the, the maddening part. If he were 40th out of 70, if he were 35th out of 70, 50th, he'd, he'd, be, he'd still be okay. He'd be way in the lead. He'd be up there with Cantlay. Uh, he had 10 birdie looks inside 15 feet. 10. Wow. That's brutal. So you're basically saying that this, this Shakespearean flaw in his game is at the point now where he's as bad at putting as he is good at everything else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's, he's so he's so consistent. I mean, he's going to be in the in the in contention on Just Sunday because he's elite yeah. in every other aspect yeah. except putting. And if he were putting at a middling level uh, in the in these big tournaments, he'd be running away with these tournaments. He'd be like Tiger back in the day, because he, he's hitting the ball tee to green like Tiger was. I mean, his 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 tee to green game is is. Elite, has like all time elite. Has he changed putting coaches? He did this offseason. And he, he changed putters. Changed hardware. Okay, yeah. changed everything. He's changing everything. Okay, and he's he. He's still same result. And if he gets it going, he's gonna he's gonna dominate the field because if he, and that's the first. What's it, the historic example of a guy turning around putting? Because the way you make it sound, it's almost like you know they say you can't teach somebody how to shoot in the NBA. Like you know how to shoot or you don't know how to shoot. Can't teach you how to it's shoot. It's his confidence. I mean, uh, a psychologist would just tell you he's got to see a bunch roll in, and I'm sure he does in practice rounds, but. 
you know, when he gets into a tournament and he misses a couple early, then it just becomes. But he, is he always been a bad putter or is it something no. new? Mm-mm. It's developed. So he developed no. the yips of some sort. Well, his short that? game was elite at Texas uh, when he was playing then what happened? for Coach this Field. That's this the, is like Rod B. I had great hands in high school, and then when I got to college, everybody thought I had well, bad that's hands. The, that's the mental. And then Mac Brown would always say it's psychological. Because well, then you have everybody <laughs> analyzing. There are some that think his stroke is a little, little off. They think his alignment maybe because hmm. if you ever watch Scotty tee off and, and, and hit long shots, he, his feet are all over the place, and he's not aligned like you like most people okay. would teach you to do. Yeah. He's got a, he's kind of real, you know, his feet are flying all over the place. And some people think it's his, his feet alignment on the greens. Everybody's got their theories, and I just think it's him overthinking. And the more you think about putting, the more the worse you gotta get more problem it. is it's going to yeah. be. You just put more and more pressure on yourself. So, uh, you know, Scotty's right there. Let's hope he can put, get that putter going. If he does, he might win this event this weekend, the way he's hitting the golf ball. Uh, all right, that's uh, At The Turn, brought to you by great friends at Callahan's General Store. Always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Get over there and see them. You know, spring is coming. Got to get those yards in shape. It's around the corner. Get over and see the great people at Callahan's General Store. They've been there since 1978, still locally owned and family operated at Callahan's General Store, 501 Bastrop Highway, 183, right there between downtown and the airport, and still there after all these years. The people is what separate uh, Callahan's. Callahan's General Store bringing you at the turn. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, now a couple of uh, items that I want to hit here, Texas football-related and behind the burnt orange curtain. Uh, Just a couple of newsworthy items. Uh, Texas did hire William Gay as their defensive analyst. Remember, he was the defensive back, the safety from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Had two different stints with the Steelers. Uh, played about 12 years total in the NFL, but most of that being with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was drafted by the organization, then brought back after, I think he had a five-year stint initially. Uh, went to the Arizona Cardinals. They brought him back, so the Steelers really liked him. That's a first-class organization. Um, they like, hey, must be something uh, you know good about your uh, your football acumen, your football IQ. Uh, I was actually excited that he was going to bring a lot of the – you know, a lot of the lessons that he learned, wisdom that he got from Dick LeBeau. Um, he actually uh, was a player under Dick LeBeau, who's one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of the NFL, Hall of Famer. Um, and Dick LeBeau was the defensive coordinator there for the Pittsburgh Steelers for many years while William Gay was there. And also Mike Tomlin. Uh, Mike Tomlin is famously also a defensive back coach. D- Dick LeBeau's a DB coach too, a DB uh, as well. He was a defensive back coach, and he was my defensive back coach actually when I was with the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. I was really excited about him bringing some of those lessons that he had learned from you know the think tank of Mike Tomlin and Dick LeBeau together trying to, uh, trying to coach up and game plan for defense. But I'm sure, pretty sure some powerful lessons to be learned, a lot of wisdom in that room. Uh, that will not be the case, though, for – uh, the Longhorns, they will not be getting uh, any of the uh, the football lessons learned from William Gay, at least, because he is now uh, announced to be on the Washington Commander staff as an assistant DB coach under Dan Quinn. Um, so, and now, you know, Dan Quinn uh, obviously putting his staff together there at Washington, and Dan Quinn known for being a really good defensive coach and also known for assembling really good coaching staffs. He's going to be bringing in William Gay as his assistant DB coach. So, Texas. Right now in the market for a new defensive analyst of some kind. 
Um, so you should I'm nominating Rod B. Hey, I'd love to. Like I said, I, I will be of service. If my university needs me, damn, you know I'll be of service for sure. All right, Texters, get the word out. <laughs> get the word to Sark. He's um, got a, He's got hey, the uh, the analyst role. I got, I got a lot of notes here. I can just take my notes right on over there to, to the 40, <laughs> baby. Uh, but, yeah, so they'll be looking for a new defensive analyst. Hey, if you couldn't get Dwayne Aquino, what better than you? You know um, what I mean? Yeah. That, Aquino yeah. disciple. Seriously, they, that's, that's, what, that's what they wanted in that analyst role. Think about what an embarrassment of riches that would have been. So, actually, they've had some bad luck, I guess, with this analyst role now. Seems like it. Yeah, because right. At first it was going to be Coach Aquino, then he takes the defensive coordinator job at Arizona, and now William Gay gone. So I wonder how they'll fill that role. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that. Also, uh, see, saw this from Pro Football Talk. Steve Bam Bam McMichael, congrats to him and the family. Legendary lifetime Longhorn uh, will be going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, enshrined in August. Uh, but right now, of course, uh, dealing with ALS and dealing with uh, a lot of the uh, pair of complications uh, from his affliction. It was announced via Courtney Cronin of ESPN that uh, Steve McMichael, uh, McMichael's family, excuse me, initially thought he had pneumonia. Um, he was placed, he was diagnosed actually with a, a UTI and placed in intensive care. So either way, I mean, almost if, if it's not pneumonia, any type of issue uh, complicates his situation. So he is in the hospital now. Uh, the hope is that he will make it to enshrinement. Uh, that will be in August so that he can be enshrined. I actually saw his wife uh, at the Super Bowl because uh, they were honoring the Hall of Fame, the latest Hall of Fame class. So thoughts and prayers with the, uh, the McMichael family and uh, still, of course, uh, fighting uh, with everything he's got to try to make it to the, uh, the August. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply enshrinement ceremony so i just wanted to give that update on the legendary lifetime longhorn steve mcmichael uh bucky brooks who does a lot of great work as an analyst for nfl network he uh created his top five uh draft prospects by position uh, it came out yesterday um position group by position group quarterbacks he's got caleb williams Shane daniels drake may michael pinks and jj mccarthy actually remember i told you guys that by the time the draft comes along i doubt drake may is the consensus second uh, quarterback on the board behind Caleb Williams. A lot of people now have Jaden Daniels as that number two quarterback. So that is already in the process of starting to happen. Now, Drake may still may be drafted ahead of him, but in terms of him being the consensus number two quarterback in this draft, that is not going to be the case. He's got Penix at four, and he's got J.J. McCarthy at five. Yeah, J.J. McCarthy is rising fast of draft boards. As a matter of fact, he has overtaken Bo Nix. In most of the uh, mock drafts and draft overall big boards I've seen, J.J. McCarthy is already considered a higher, a better prospect than Bo Nix, and that's without working out and without the interviews. So he's rising up draft boards for a reason. You're a big fan of J.J. McCarthy, uh, E, so you, you liked him actually even before this past season. A lot of people thought that his role with the, um, with the Michigan Wolverines had basically been relegated to being a, a, a game manager. So I think his stock was dropping as a result of that because people assumed, well, if Jim Harbaugh wants you to manage the game, then you must not have a high level, a really high level skill set as a passer. Um, and maybe that's just a, that's a mistaken perception. Maybe that's just a mistaken evaluation that he did. Well, I just I, he was more dynamic uh, in, 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 to, uh, not this season, but the year before. 
Uh, he, he was more free spirit. I mean, he would break the pocket, make plays. He just felt like – and it did feel like they, they constrained him a little bit this year. Yeah. Because you know, if you go back to the you know, national semifinal a year ago when they lost to TCU, he threw two pick sixes, and he was a little loose mm-hmm. with the football. And I think that was Jim Harbaugh, the quarterback himself, saying, look, man, just manage this game. We have a great defense. We're number one in the country. We got a great offensive line and running game. Yeah, we got. We're as deep as any. We're going to wear people out yep. by the fourth quarter. Just yeah. don't don't give them a chance. Don't turn the ball. What game was it where he didn't throw a pass in the second half? Was it Penn Ohio State? State? Penn, Penn State. Penn State. Yeah. Come on. But that I uh, see. I think that hurts his overall like the perception of him as yeah. a passer. Uh, but you're right. It's a good point, though. You just made that. I didn't think about it. I remember you saying last year that you thought he had great improvisational ability. It was a little baby Joe Burrow to yeah, me. Yeah, I the way he could, could extend plays and uh, make things off schedule and still make the throws. More athletic than you think and yeah. competitive as hell. Uh, but, yeah, this year he won a national championship. He went 27-1. and won. Um, you know, you can only hurt, don't hurt the ball club, mate. Uh, That's just, true. Just, just manage because we're pretty damn good. No, but it, it seems like now some of the NFL scouts are starting to agree with you because he is rising fast up draft boards. Uh, Bucky Brooks, running backs, he's got Jonathan Brooks, number one running back for him on his big board, followed by wow. Trey Benson of Florida State, Blake Corman, Michigan, and Bucky Irving um, in Oregon, and uh, Audric Estime, the Notre Dame. Estime, yeah. Estime, the Notre Dame running back. Yeah, so he, Jonathan Brooks, I've not seen a big board yet with him uh, without with him uh, outside the top spot at uh, running back, yeah, everyone universally, which is why he probably goes sooner than most think. But that's a good point, and he it really will. depends on his medicals uh, coming up in, in the, at the combine because he won't participate in the combine. He, no. he will get looked at by all thirty-two teams. Yep. By the way, before we get off the uh, Ty, I just sent you the Jim Harbaugh sound. He was on Colin Cowherd's show right after he got hired by the LA Chargers. Can you play that, Ty? This is him talking about JJ McCarthy, mm-hmm. and don't be surprised if he doesn't shoot up draft boards. J.J. McCarthy is a kid. How do you think he'll do? What, what does he bring to the table that maybe I can't see as a TV viewer? Uh, arm talent, athleticism, it factor, uh, winning with numbing repetition. Uh, don't be surprised when he, if, when he goes to, uh, he's the number one quarterback off the board. That's, that's my prediction right now. Uh, when people get a load of, of uh, J.J. and what he, you know, how he can throw the ball, how he spins it, his athleticism, uh, his intelligence, uh, you know, talk about it factor. You know, he's got it, the competitiveness that he has. And uh, and they get around him and they really start digging in and they start talking to him. Uh, yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's an early prediction for the 2024 NFL draft. There you go. Wow. Okay. I like that one line. Uh, Numbing repetition. Numbing repetition. That is a hardball line if I ever Winning heard. Winning with numbing, numbing repeti- repetition. Basically, over and over again to you. Basically, your either your hands hurt, you can't even feel your hands doing it over and over again, or it is second nature to you. Yeah. Oh, I, I actually I'm, I'm writing that down. I actually do like that. Numbing too. repetition. <laughs> it's really good because you get the visual. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just work it, work it, work it until you can't anymore. Well, and a lot of quarterbacks get frustrated if we ran the ball 30 straight times at Penn State. Hey, coach. Let me run the ball. Let me throw the ball a little bit. Complaining a little bit about their draft stop. No, and that's a team player, right? If it's working, don't stop. You're right about that. I don't need any throws. Uh, Wide receivers in his top five: No Longhorn in top five. Marvin Harrison Jr., Romo Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Ken Coleman, Brian Thomas Jr. uh, as his wide receivers. I will say, Mel Kiper, when he was asked who are the most underrated receivers in this draft, Mel Kiper said those Texas guys. He was talking about Ad Mitchell and talking about um, Xavier Worthy. Tight ends. He's got J.T. Sanders, second tight end on his big board behind Brock Bowers. 
Flowers ahead of Cade Stover, the Ohio State uh, tight end, Theo Johnson, the Penn State tight end um, as well. And he's got Michigan, A.J. Barnett. Michigan's all over this damn thing uh, as this fifth-ranked tight end. Um, and the only other Longhorns that show up here are on the defensive tackles, of course. He's got, as a defensive tackle, he's got Byron Murphy and Tavante Sweat second and third behind Jerzon Newton, the Illinois defensive tackle, but ahead of Chris Jenkins, who's got fourth. He's the Michigan D-tackle, and Darius Robinson, the Missouri D-tackle, his senior, is the fifth-ranked uh, D-tackle on his big board. And uh, that's pretty much it for your Longhorn representation um, and the rest of – and that's, pre- that's pretty good, actually. Your running back, tight end, and your D-tackles, you got four players in the top five of three different positions. That's pretty damn good. And I think wide receiver, actually, when it's all said and done, E, I do believe both Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell – leapfrog a couple of guys in wide receiver evaluations. Because AD are at 6-3. If he just runs, and some people are saying he's going to run a 4-4. If he runs a 4-4, he's getting drafted in the first round. Uh, AD Mitchell, if he runs a 4-4, he's going to I agree with round. you on that, 100%. If he does. Because yeah. his film is so good. Uh, whether so it was good. a Georgia and, and then the big game production, uh, stepping up in big moments, obviously, uh, over and over again. Love mm-hmm. him. He's a big game player. He is. I, again, I'm sitting here. We're talking about the Texans in the 7 o'clock hour. I'd love to have him in Houston, um, you know, opposite Nico Collins. He would fit a lot of places. Really yeah, well. he really would. He's just Buffalo he, could get he him. He looks like I mean, then we heard Cincinnati. B, then we heard the, the sound from B. John Robinson talking about his work ethic and how he, he puts in the grind, the numbing, numbing repetition. 500 extra balls after practice, which makes sense because he has a really drill, uh, low drop rate. Yeah. Like, he doesn't drop a lot of passes. And you're right. If he shows that 4-4 kind of speed, uh, yeah, I'd love him. Then Houston picks 23. That would be a good spot for him because uh, wide receiver, one of Houston's needs opposite Nico Collins. A lot of mock drafts have uh, Texas second wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Or edge because uh, they feel Take like they're going to lose Jonathan Gennard in free agency. We'll see. Uh, that's what's great about the the draft. It comes after free agency, so you know what holes you need to fill come draft time. All right, there's good stuff right there with RB. We'll come back a little off the record, including which fan bases in the NFL drink the most booze Ooh. during a football game. We have the answer. That's easy. Anecdotal proof. Well, let's see if it's easy. <laughs> Hook them up with Ian Rod B. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get to bring the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, man, it is off the record time, including proof of uh, which NFL fan bases drink the most and the least booze on game day. How about this? A company that makes mobile smartphone breathalyzers, Rod. Whoa, ho, whoa. mobile smartphone breathalyzers. Wow, that's pretty cool. Good for So you, you can test your yeah, uh, test blood your, alcohol level if you need to. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. I like that. Before you get in the car. Yeah. Um, well, they well, got. Uh, if you need it. You shouldn't even get in the car. Let's be honest. Yeah. If you have to blow the brother's <laughs> license. You probably shouldn't get in the car. But I like it. I like it. They got more than twenty-eight thousand unique blood alcohol content tests, and uh, from NFL fans, t- take they got, they got almost thirty thousand people wow. to take their breathalyzer after their their team's game, which gave them real an- an- anecdotal proof. Fan bases that drank the least, according to this thirty thousand person sample, Kansas City Chiefs fans least. Oh, really? Lowest blood alcohol content, 0.05. Huh. Oh, well, Patrick Mahomes is dead. I mean, yeah. So the, the <laughs> he wasn't at the game. He, he was, was just driving. Just, <laughs> just, 
<laughs> Unfortunately, he but was yeah. in the car somewhere listening ah, on the radio. That was a low blow. I'm sorry, sorry. sorry. Taking the shot at Patrick Mahomes' dad. I know he's got a problem, so he needs some help. Washington Commanders two, New York Giants three, Baltimore Ravens four, and LA Chargers five. Fan bases that drank the most. So that was the least. Those were the most least, responsible. Least. Okay, all right. Give me the most here. Should I make a guess first? Take a guess. All right, real quick here. Just let me go through degenerate fan bases who party <laughs> and go crazy. I know Philly seems to jump straight up there. And I, they're not in the top five, Rod. They're not in the top five, though, huh? Oh, about, I wonder if we're talking about a team that a fan base that's drowning their sorrows a lot because their team's bad. Or they're celebrating a lot because their team's bad. Huh. Uh, Ty, do you have a guess? Um, Buffalo Bills. Ooh, good one. No, no. That is a good one. According no. to the blood alcohol content of their fans, the, the winner in the clubhouse are the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans, .09. That I'm surprised about because I think Ty had a good suggestion. Buffalo, just because they're crazy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Might be too damn cold to drink. <laughs> well, too. I think that's when they start drinking. They warm them up. It gives them cold. But I thought, uh, ran, I thought rambunctious and rowdy, so I thought about Philly. But you're right. The Bills Mafia is like that. with an average of okay. .09. Steelers, Colts, Falcons, and Saints, top five. New Orleans, Atlanta. New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and Tennessee and, you know, Nashville's becoming quite the uh, party, town. party town. That's true. A lot of bachelor, bachelorette parties in Tennessee. Well, and you, can, you can be off broad, Broadway's right across the street from the stadium. I mean, yeah, that's could a good be point. In the, it'd be like if you put the, the, the stadium right next to 6th Street. But, but more. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> we should, yeah, we should have thought about that, like like the basic pro- proximity to the party. Yeah. And well, uh, Nashville is a good proximity to party. Their fans are always right there in the mix. New Orleans, they're always right. As soon as they get out, they're like, ah, oh, let's just go down and go drink. Yeah, Bourbon Street, right yeah, there yeah, right yeah. by the Superdome. We should have thought about that. That's a good point. Yeah, because it's uh, access. Because once you get to the stadium, it's too damn expensive to get drink too many. And some stadiums, <laughs> they, they're not around anything. Like I was talking about the 49ers uh, where they play. Yeah. Like, there's nothing really around there to go party. So it's like, yeah, what you going to do? In Kansas City, have you been to Kansas City? Uh, yeah, it's out there. Oh, yeah, and ain't nothing really around there. Nothing People complained there. about that with the draft. They're like, well, and then the dude wants the draft was over. Yeah. And so, yeah, proximity to the party is actually, I think, really important there. Yeah. I like that list. That's, that's a that's good That's where they should put Super Bowls. What a proximity to like Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Pro- New Ooh, Orleans, which Vegas, is next year. Vegas will be on that list soon. They will. Yeah, Vegas will be on that list yeah, pretty soon. Vegas for sure. Because, yeah, I mean, Vegas has got the strip. Broadway and Nashville, they're building a new big you know, yeah. billion-dollar stadium. They're going to get Super Bowls. Uh, New, or- New Orleans is this year. I know. Not 2025. That place is going to be packed. That Bourbon is going to be ridiculous. Because there's not a lot of places to go party in New Orleans. It's like one or two. And it's one, two strips. Oh, yeah. And that's what everybody's well, going to do. Well, there's a lot of them. They're just on one street. <laughs> yeah. They going to say, yeah, you're right about that. I guess people are hanging out at the, at the casinos, though. Apparently, that's one of the new hot spots, right? Yeah. That new uh, casino yeah, down that's there. That's the end of Canal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of spots there. And, uh, yeah, you come right out and you're on it. Shout out to Taylor Swift. Uh, Taylor gave uh, $100,000 to the GoFundMe of Elizabeth Lisa Lopez Galvin. Oh, nice. Um, the woman who was killed during the Kansas City Parade. She just put it on the, she just put it on the GoFundMe. She did two $50,000 donations. Good for her. That's fantastic. So it's a horrible thing that happened, but good for her. Horrible. Do something um, with all that good money. Good for her. Girl. Yeah, good she's, for her. she's good. Yeah, she's part of that community now. By the way, you think you think it's uh, bullish or BS that uh, Mahomes and Kelsey and some other Chiefs were criticized for going to an after-parade party, private party after the tragedy? They're that's, getting criticized That's BS. It. Yeah, that's our, our lives. We got to move on. Got to move on. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Not yeah. In, you know, insensitive. Well, no. you know, the party was planned. Yep. All right, we'll be back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.